Our text today from our Old Testament reading. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. This is our text. I invite you to turn to page 5 in our service folder for the, where the sermon outline is. Before we address the question posed in the sermon title, I'd like to spend a few minutes digging into this account of, of Cain and Abel. I'm going to read verse 4 again, and I'd like you to, uh, to listen for the difference between what Cain did and what Abel did. We're told there that Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Well, that sounds okay, doesn't it? On the other hand, Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. See the difference? You might have to look or, or listen a little more closely, but, but once you see it, it sure stands out. I'm not talking about the the fact that Cain brought some crops and Abel some animals. That, that was a difference. It was not the difference. There are a couple of other distinctions that are much more important. Listen again. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. We're looking at the words fat and firstborn. Now I need to explain something about this because these days the health police have convinced us that fat is bad. So we scour food packaging to see how many fat grams are contained in a product or we we trim or drain off fat from our meat. Now I don't know how that could possibly be bad for you, but these days we are told that fat means bad. In the Old Testament times, just the opposite was true. Fat meant good. Fat meant best. Fat meant sumptuous, even extravagant. Now before I get myself into too much trouble with uh, any health professionals, Uh, Let me say that I know that lifestyles today require that we limit our intake of fat. I'm in total agreement with that and have adjusted my my eating habits accordingly. Well, that doesn't mean that I eat any less fat. It just means that I don't let myself enjoy it as much. What we need to know is that Abel's fat portions were the best portions. Cain brought some of his crops... And Abel brought some of the best of the first fruits of his flocks. Not the runts, not leftovers, but the first and the best. And that's why God was pleased with Abel's offering, but not with Cain's. Do you ever wonder how Cain knew that? How Cain knew that that God looked with favor upon his brother's offering, but not his own? The Bible doesn't tell us. 
I think at least part of the answer is that Cain himself knew that the sacrifice he was making was not what God deserved and therefore would not bring joy to the heart of God. So when does our offering bring joy to God? Well, maybe it's when instead of asking, how much will I give? This is in your outline, by the way. Instead of asking, how much will I give? We ask, how much will I keep? How much will I give implies that I own it. That I'm giving to God something that belongs to me. How much will I keep? Acknowledges that God owns everything. That I am merely returning to him a portion of what he has so graciously given to me. In contrast to Abel, Cain gave some of his crops to God, but he kept the best for himself. I don't want to ask the next question because I'm thinking maybe you don't want me to ask it. But I have to. It's the logical one, isn't it? And that is simply to ask, so what are we keeping for ourselves? I'm going to take it a step further and connect that question with the, the verse from Psalm 145 that you've heard um, so many times these past several weeks, one generation will commend your works to another. Now, so far we've been using that verse in a pretty general way, attaching it to what we hope to provide for future generations with our proposed building project. But our, our text, I think, requires us to get more personal and more specific. And to put those two together, one generation will commend your works to another with the question, so what am I keeping for myself in this way? What we spend our money on indicates our priorities. And those priorities become abundantly clear to our kids and our grandkids. When we have more than enough for ourselves, for various kinds of, of luxuries, for every kind of grown-up toy, our kids and our grandkids will see that. But when we give first to the Lord, they will also be well aware of that. Now I know that every Christian parent wants our children to know the love of Jesus. Don't we also want them to know the joy of responding to that love with a life of service and sacrifice? That's another way that one generation commends the work of God to another. What we're really saying is that our offering, our sacrifice, both reflects our faith and as we saw in the case of Cain, it also affects our faith. Now, how did that happen for Cain? Well, he saw God's response to his offering, and he became angry. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Cain was the one who messed up, and, and he's also the one who becomes angry. Angry at whom? At God, I guess. Became jealous of his brother, and he lured him out into the field where he murdered him. 
Yeah, I guess you could say that Cain's faith was both reflected in and affected by his offering. The same thing can be true for us. That's why at its very heart, our prayer has been that that our Reaching for Tomorrow campaign has been a spiritual journey for each of us, both reflecting and affecting our faith. Oh, I know it'd be very easy to think that this is all about building and the money required to do that. Well, certainly, many of us are very excited about the potential for that building and and the ministry that can be conducted there, and, and we're inviting everybody to be a part of it. But this has to be an each individual or each family's decision. Which is why we've been asking all of our members to pray the same prayer these past weeks. Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for our church? That's a spiritual question. This is a spiritual journey. Deciding to make a sacrifice for the Lord and his church is intensely spiritual. It reminds us of and is a response to the one who first sacrificed himself for us, who came for that very purpose, as we are reminded in today's gospel lesson. Jesus teaches what real sacrifice is, because sacrifice doesn't simply mean to give something away, but also to give something up. For example, it's not really a sacrifice when you clean out your closet and and take to goodwill a bag of clothes that you would never wear again. That's a good thing to do. But it's not a sacrifice. You've given something away. You haven't really given anything up. That's kind of what Cain did. Cain gave away some of his crops. Abel gave up the best of the first fruits, firstborn of his flocks. That's a sacrifice. Now, of course, the sacrifice that Cain made, the sacrifice that Abel made, any sacrifice that we make, none of those can compare with the sacrifice that Jesus made. We, we know that, and we rejoice in his sacrifice. The, earlier in the service in the scripture tapestry, we read a verse from Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul tells us about the sacrifice of Jesus. He says, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He gave up his throne in heaven. He gave up his very life. And because of that, you and I can come into his presence with praise on our lips rather than fear in our hearts. Because those hearts have been washed clean by the blood of Christ. On the church calendar, this is All Saints Sunday. The time in which we give thanks to God for those who have gone before us in the faith. The epistle lesson that is typically read on this day comes from Revelation 7, John's vision of heaven. In chapter 7, he sees a large number of saints gathered together. Verse 14, we're told that these are those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
That's what we've done too. We are part of that number. Saints of God who give all thanks and praise to God. So now we can finally address the question in our sermon title. Is sacrifice a pain or is it a privilege? The answer is, well, that's up to you to determine. I can tell you for me, it's both. It's a pain if it's required of me. It's a privilege if it's offered by me. Like the people that St. Paul wrote about in today's epistle lesson. I don't know about you, but those folks put me to shame. First, that they were filled with joy in the midst of extreme poverty. I don't know how you do that. That'd be a whole sermon in itself. And then Paul says they gave more than they were able. I've never even ever come close to doing something like that. And finally, that they pleaded for the privilege of sacrificing for people they didn't even know and would never meet. A privilege, they called it, not a pain. A sacrifice that was offered by them, not required of them. Which brings us to a third P that we need to mention this morning. It's not in your sermon outline. Sacrifice is sometimes a pain, it's sometimes a privilege, but it is always personal. Although there are times that we would like to avoid that, aren't there? Times that we would like somebody else to sacrifice, to to pay for something that we want. But it doesn't really work that way, does it? Nor should it. If sacrifice is indeed a privilege, well, why should somebody else get to enjoy that privilege and not you and I? Well, that's certainly the response that we're praying for that that you will have when that commitment card arrives in the mail uh, during this week. I want to remind you of a few things about that card. Number one, it'll say in the brochure that that this is not a binding contract. It's a statement of intent and, and And we want you to see it that way. Also, it it says on the card that this is an over and above commitment. Which is another way of of saying that that we don't want you to redirect any of the offerings that you would have already given for missions. Or for our ministry operations. Also, please remember that you're joining with hundreds of your sisters and brothers at St. Lawrence. To do what none of us could do alone. That each of us is approaching this with prayer and with thoughtful deliberation. And finally, remember that the success of this program does not depend on you. Now that's a little different than what we're used to hearing in a financial appeal. But remember, this is a spiritual journey, not just a fundraising campaign. And so we do things differently. We recognize, don't we, that any success that that we will have comes from God. We also know that he chooses to work through people. And so we are praying that everybody will be able to be a part of this project. 
But I also want to say that if sacrificing for this specific project would be more of a pain than a privilege for you, then don't do it. That's okay. Just don't pass up the opportunity to join with your fellow members at St. Lawrence in making a sacrificial gift, but, but apply everything that I've said today to a different project or a different entity or group. One that you would consider it a privilege to make a significant sacrifice for. And for the, I know it's a big majority of us who are able to consider it a privilege to sacrifice for our Reaching for Tomorrow campaign. It's still the case that the success of this effort doesn't depend on any one of us. We still have quite a ways to go to finish this. Although, by the way, did, did you ever dream that we would already have $5 million committed for this? Still quite a challenge ahead of us, though. Nobody here is going to write a check to make up the difference between what has already been pledged and, and, and what our goal is. We don't need you to. If each of us asks God what he wants to do through us to accomplish his will for our church and then listens for his answer as we consider what our gift will be, That'll be perfect. Because then each one of us will be sharing in the privilege of sacrificing with and for others. And when we all do that, that will be enough. Whatever the total amount is, God will look on that with favor. Just as he did the offering of Abel. And he will surely bless that in ways we can't even yet imagine. Amen.